0: Welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Wes Goldberg, host of Locked On Warriors, here with David Vermeule, the host of Locked On Heat. And on today's show, with the Lakers winning the championship and LeBron James winning his fourth title, we reevaluate the LeBron versus Jordan debate. Then we discuss where the Miami Heat go from here and if this season was just an anomaly for them. Then we end the show with some final thoughts on the bubble and what's next for the NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. David, more than 12 months after the 2019-20 NBA season began, it's over. The Lakers are champions. LeBron James got his fourth. And immediately, we resume the LeBron versus MJ debate. But this time with some updated information. I know you've long been a LeBron is the GOAT guy already. But did this do anything in your mind to further solidify that legacy? I mean, how strong is LeBron's argument now?
1: I think it is stronger, to be honest with you. And I'll be honest with you, this is also a little raw for me considering the fact that the Heat were, well fairly summarily eliminated from the finals yesterday so it's still a little (laughs) fresh in my mind but as far as the argument regarding i think i think
0: our listeners appreciate you battling through here i mean you really are like the jimmy butler of this podcast
1: that's i've always said so and i I like to i'm glad that people are starting to realize that now i I, you know top 10 podcaster finally because of my work during the bubble i'm not sure (laughs) If I, I'm I'm going that <laughs> to that level just yet, but uh, as far as LeBron is concerned, like I, I think it kind of just shows that he is the singular force driving these championships. That it, as much as there was a template that was taught to him during his four year span in Miami about surrounding him with the right type of personnel, something that he tried to emulate in Cleveland successfully, and then has done now with the Los Angeles Lakers, I, I think it still shows that he is that driving force. He is the straw that stirs the drink. And if that's the reality, then I, I think it shows that he is the greatest player of all time, that this isn't just Michael Jordan, finally working his way through all the the failures of his earlier years with the Chicago bulls of trying to find the right coach of trying to find the right players to compliment him. Now, we have a player that it doesn't matter who the coach is, whether it's a first-year guy in Los Angeles like Frank Vogel, or even a first-year coach like David Blatt with the Cleveland Cavaliers, or Ty Lue, people who have never had that kind of experience before. So it's not about Phil Jackson; it's about Michael, and that's fine. But I, I, that's about LeBron, rather. You know, this is he's the player that makes the championship a, a feasible possibility.
0: Where does I mean we're having the LeBron versus Jordan debate right now again? But where does LeBron rank as far as greatest dynasties ever? I mean, this is a guy who is in every finals for the last decade, except for one of them. He is right. just this, just preeminent, you know, character in the biggest game, the biggest series of every season, all the time. Like it always comes down to LeBron. And now I know he's four and six in these NBA finals, and Michael Jordan is six and zero. Oh, but you know, MJ had the Chicago Bulls dynasty, right? The three, the two three peats there. LeBron has done it now. With three different teams with completely different supporting casts, all these things from uh, you know Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, to Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love, now with Anthony Davis in L.A., he's done it in now two different conferences. I, I, like, I like the bubble thing. Be damned! I don't care about it. Like he now got through the Western Conference in a West that I would argue is maybe one of the deepest it's ever been, with the rise of the Denver Nuggets and what the Clippers were throughout the regular season, and Houston being there, and and you know Portland being a pretty tough, I thought, first round. Um, matchup for them I mean th- they went through it right and I think it's fair to, to say that LeBron now has done it with a lot of different teams a lot of different kinds of teammates right he made the Dwayne Wade Chris Bosh thing work he he made the Kyrie Irving Kevin Love thing work and now he's doing it with Anthony Davis I mean a lot of very different personalities but like you said he is consistently always the guy who if you have him on your team and you got enough around him he's gonna he's probably just gonna get you the championship and and it's 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 weird to say that you can just almost assume that he's going to get there. But based on the last decade, I think you can say you could just assume that you're going to get there or you're at least going to be, you know, one of the main contenders. And now I'm wondering, like, okay, now he's drawn now two championships closer to Ma- Michael Jordan. He may not ever have, you know, he, well, he won't ever have that, like, uh, uh, you know, perfect record, right? He's always going to have the six finals losses. But if he gets to five, And if he gets to six at some point, because Anthony Davis is a a real player who's extending LeBron's window now. um, I I don't know that... I I think we're getting closer and closer to the point where you're on the LeBron as the GOAT train, I'm on the LeBron as the GOAT train, but we're getting closer to the point where it's almost unarguable. Am I jumping the gun here?
1: No, I don't think so. Look, it's hard to compare eras and it's hard to compare players and everything else. And obviously we're living in a world now where we understand how much free agency can change the game, where players have a lot more freedom to make those decisions, where they can form plans to to either form a big three in Miami or to collude to some degree and, and build these super teams, whether it's through your agency or your, you know, through clutch sports and things of that sort, either way, now, it's just having that talent on the roster isn't enough to guarantee a championship. I mean, look at the Clippers, look to the Milwaukee Bucks, look to any other team that didn't make it all the way to the finals. And you think about the, the all the factors about the bubble and everything else, That that's a whole other degree of difficulty when it comes to solidifying a championship or your legacy. But, you know, one of the things that we kind of take for granted is, yes, the, the main argument, at least from what I've seen, is that LeBron has failed more times than he succeeded when it comes to the NBA finals. But, I mean, we, we also overlooked the fact that Jordan just never got to that point, that he couldn't right. get past teams like the Knicks or, or the, the you know, Detroit well, Pistons. And, and LeBron did that with a very bad Cleveland Cavaliers team that had no right. business
0: being in the Eastern Conference finals, let, the N, let alone the NBA finals. And he did that before Jordan ever did, in, you know, when you're comparing timelines of careers. And then you look also at these different – NBA Finals teams that LeBron had to go up against. Look, the 2011 thing against the Mavericks is forever a stain on his resume. There's no shaking that. It is what it is. Um, but, but since then, but since then, right? Like the they are the better team against the Thunder and and handle that series. They split um, the 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 two Spurs meetings, and that's against another all-time great team in San Antonio. Right, like the 2014 Spurs. That's a little bit tougher, only because of how badly the heat got rolled in that final series i mean a 4-1 every game ended up being a blowout all these things and lebron left afterwards not quite 2011 versus the mavericks but still not a great taste in your mouth after that you know it's just something that jordan never would have done if we're talk- like as far as like you know story arcs and all these things but um then he get he goes to the the championship his first year in cleveland when a lot of people were not picking cleveland to get to Get that far, right? Everybody thought that that was going to be a rebuilding thing. We we don't really talk about that that very much. Every nobody thought that they were going to the finals, and LeBron dragged that team with uh Kyrie Irving, who elevated his game in part because he was playing with LeBron. Kevin Love, who had to play a very different style. Um, a coach that he didn't get along with than David Blatt. But uh then Kevin Love goes down, Kyrie Irving goes down. He basically plays that entire finals, you know, without his, his without Kyrie and, and Kevin Love, without his co-stars. And so do you really knock LeBron on that? Like Jordan ever had to play a finals without Scottie Pippen, right? And his teams were always so much deeper than any of LeBron's teams, too. And then you look, and then and then you know you get that juggernaut with the Warriors, who because of this random cap spike, they're able to sign Kevin Durant, right. become the deepest, most top-heavy team, most talented team in NBA history. Like I'm sorry, like Michael Jordan wouldn't have beat those Warriors teams, right? They would not. Uh, and so it, it just. Yeah, you kind of – you say, all right, he's four – now he's four and six, but he's got these six losses. But when you really look at those six finals losses, two of them to me really stand out as – I shouldn't say legitimate or illegitimate, but two of them really stand out. Egregious. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then the other ones are very excusable. And I think even, even, you know, Jordan didn't deal with those sort of circumstances that LeBron was dealing with against those teams in those series
1: you know the the other thing too i i think is when you look at his record in the finals and that's the the crux of your argument it also kind of just i think delineates how very different those two players are that for lebron it's always been more about his ability to on occasion take over games through his scoring but the strength of his game is almost always inherently about trying to make other players better or get them engaged like that. The argument that's long been used to define a superstar is, does he make all the players around him better? And while I think Jordan did that to some degree, it's through a very different leadership style. Something that we debated when the last dance was fair aired a couple of months ago, that was one of the topics that you and I discussed. is, you know, he, he pushed people in a very aggressive and arrogant way. And he did not make friends and he did not, I think boost your confidence. He kind of just forced you to go through the fire. And if you wanted to succeed, if you came out alive, well then so be it. Now you're out there on the floor alongside him and you have no choice but to try and and contribute to some degree. I think LeBron is a very different leader, a very different player. He just tries to get you. Look, look no further than the Danny Green miss shot. I'm so glad you brought that up. I think he's being unfairly crucified for it. But the reality is that it was 99 uh, – no, I'm sorry, 100 out of 100 times it was the right play. And, and look, he was getting quintuple teamed out there. You see all the, the replays. He makes the right pass to a guy who can knock down that shot 40% of the time. Give him a break. I, I think this – look, maybe Jordan, Jordan would have taken the shot. I don't know. Jordan, did, a, it?
0: Jordan did the same exact play. He passed to Steve Kerr. Steve right. Kerr made the or shot. John
1: Paxson. Yeah. yeah, I mean uh, – yeah. yeah so it's, it's it's kind of ridiculous to use that argument, but i I like how it kind of shows and to me at least it highlights how different the two players yeah. are as far as they're not they're not attacking or winning in the same way, and you can always you can just appreciate the fact that both of them are as good as they are and are great winners and great players without having to continuously debate whether or not one is better than the other i think they're just different and and to me those differences at least again personally what separates lebron and the way he plays the game is what makes him a better player to me than michael jordan i
0: have one more point um on this before we move on to our next topic but um first david tell our listeners
1: about rock auto with an ever-increasing number of makes and models it's impossible to suck all the parts you might need in a traditional chain store for it Into your pointless or intimidating questions while the person behind the counter orders the parts that you're looking for on their computer, choosing only the brand that their warehouse happens to carry. You've got computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for two decades. You can choose from hundreds of manufacturers on their easy-to-use software. Right? and you'll get everything you need with just a few easy clicks delivered directly and safely to your door. Why would you spend more for the exact same parts at a Chain Star or even worse, at a car dealership? RockAuto.com's low prices are the same for everybody. So go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Then go to their how did you hear about a section and enter locked on so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. That's RockAuto.com. David, I also want to talk about Built Go,
0: whether it's for your mental or physical wall. Break through it with Built Go every day. These easy-to-carry one-and-a-half-ounce packages are perfect to bring in your briefcase or in your golf bag. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. Simon Close. It's five-hour energy without the same crashing feeling that you get when you take a five-hour energy. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for your body. Plus, it comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. I'm not a big coconut guy. So I mm-hmm. tend to go with the peanut butter, honey, and the chocolate mint, but a lot of people like coconut for some reason, and they have an option for you. Uh, so how does BuiltGo work so well? Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein, a fast-absorbing protein that gets into your system fast. It promotes joint soft tissue hair and skin health. I've heard it's good for your nails, David. Uh, this stuff literally makes you look better. So here's the offer. Visit BuiltGo.com, use the promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 30% off your next order. Again, use the promo code LOCKED for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. I want to talk what about what the Miami Heat do next, David. But one last point I wanted to make: you mentioned LeBron winning this championship in the bubble, and some people put the asterisk and whatever. Final word on this: where does this NBA championship rank? Do you ha- do you give it an asterisk uh, for better or worse? Like, do you does it is it different in your mind?
1: Yes, it is absolutely different. I, I think it's a harder championship. Uh, all the factors, all the different things that it kind of, the, to me, the bubble has proved to be such a great equalizer because you don't have that edge of playing at home and playing in front of your home crowd of getting any kind of unfair or usual advantages that you might during a playoff system. So I think it should absolutely get an asterisk, but one that comes with the realization that this was the most challenging NBA championship in NBA history. Like I just think it's been so difficult for all these teams to go through the months of not knowing through all the different societal issues outside of basketball that they were facing on a daily basis to be in these in this environment, like be, to deal with mental health, to deal with all the difficulty of being separate. Think about that. I mean, look, for, even if we want to tie it back to our former argument, would would Michael Jordan have been – comfortable not being able to go gamble or play golf or do all the things that he liked to do to quote unquote ease tension in the midst of a playoff Well, this is the,
0: this this is like what the michael jordan legend is right is this unsatiable urge and need to win at all costs and i right. think lebron by winning this championship and carrying a lakers team that look if you want to compare like championship rosters where is like where is this lebron lakers team and then, yeah anthony davis is maybe the best guy he's ever played with. I I still give it to Dwayne Wade, but Anthony Davis, you know, right there. Um, I think those Cleveland, like that 2017 Cleveland team, I thought was a better team. I thought that, you know, two of those Heat teams are probably better than this Lakers team, at, at least, maybe three of them. Um, but he carried this team throughout with, throughout this bubble where with all the distractions that you were talking about, with this just mental fatigue and all of this stuff. I mean, he he displayed that that urge to win that I think a lot of people have knocked him for throughout his career, rightly or wrongly. But you can't deny that he showed that at a level that no other player in the NBA, maybe other than maybe besides Jimmy Butler, to be honest, was able to show.
1: Yeah, all all fair points. Uh, I I just I don't know. Um, We could debate this endlessly. And I'm not sure we're going to get to any kind of specific point here.
0: Well, let's move on to the Miami Heat then. They, they put up a great fight. Uh, they take the Lakers to six games. There's no shame, I think, in losing to the better team, and the Lakers were the better team. The Heat, as a fifth seed, survived longer than anybody thought that they would, um, and they did so by impressing, I think, the entire NBA. Now they have their core of Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Tyler Hero locked in. Uh, Duncan Robinson is under contract. They can bring back guys like Jay Crowder and Goran Dragic. Are you buying the Heat as a contender next season, David?
1: Well, before I answer that, just a point of contention, I do not think the Lakers were the better team. I, I know that's probably comes across as, as somewhat ridiculous now that they've actually locked up the championship. But given the injuries to Dragic, their best score in the bubble prior to the finals and the fact that Bam Adebayo missed two games and was a shell of himself upon his return, I, I, I think Miami could have beat the Lakers fairly easily if both of those players had stayed healthy. So that's Look, just I, a point I, actually, I
0: want to make. No, I, I think that's a fair point. Um, and anybody that says that the Heat could not have won that series wasn't watching the Heat in the when Bam Adebayo was functioning at 100% and when Goran Dragic yeah, was there. When he score, almost beat
1: the it. Celtics single-handedly. I mean, right. He was their best player against the Celtics. Too.
0: I think that Spo also was incredible. Like, that is undoubtedly the best finals that Eric Spolstra has ever coached. And I know that they lost, but yeah. he's never coached a better final series, which is saying a lot because he's a Hall of Fame coach. Uh, who already has two championships? So and beat the Spurs in one of those championships. So, uh, I, I think that with Spo, with the adjustments that he made when he got banned back and was able, what he was able to do with Bam against Anthony Davis, not shut Anthony Davis down, but Anthony Davis didn't go off the way he went off in those first two finals games. Yes. Um, I think it's very very fair to say that the Heat could have won that championship had they been healthy. But this is what happens, right? Uh, oh, you know, no doubt. and that and I know, like I know you're not debating that and and whatever, but you know, the Lakers have the championship and the Miami heat were right there. Uh, I just, I'm, I guess my question is how big is this window for Miami? Was this a one-year mon- uh, uh, anomaly given that they were, they had this Jordan like focus throughout the entire organization, whatever I'm done with talking about Jordan. They had this Miami heat culture, like focus throughout <laughs> the entire postseason that teams like Milwaukee just simply did not have Philadelphia just did not have that kind of focus. I even would say Boston was close to it, but not that level of focus um you know they didn't have to do all the travel and all that stuff whatever I don't care what they did was really really hard but uh again I I wonder I I
1: don't I don't know if it can be duplicated I don't know if they can continue to build on this like part of me is very bullish on this team and says you know to many of the points you brought up yes they have this young core of Duncan Robinson a historically great shooter and Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero, who is going to improve because he made a huge leap in his game despite his poor showing throughout the finals. I think he still acquitted himself and proved that he is a very capable complementary scorer and not a bad defender, although he's going to improve as a playmaker in other aspects of his game. I, I think he took a big leap in between the hiatus, and, and I think that showed pretty significantly there. So there's absolutely a a positive outlook for their future. I just... I don't know that it's so easy to pencil them in as a contender, given that other teams are going to go through some changes. We don't know what it's going to look like in Philadelphia with Doc Rivers there, although I'll reiterate what I said last week, that I don't think that they're going to have much more success than they've already had under Brett Brown. But the Nets are going to be an X factor, one that I can't foresee. Like For now, I think it's pretty easy to say they'll probably be good because they have incredible talent there, but they could also be a chaotic uncoachable mess and i'm not sure that steve nash is going to be able to turn him around and make him contenders I mean, if, if kevin durant
0: like, is 90 percent of what he was or even 80 percent of what he was
1: that should be enough got, right
0: that's going to be enough to be a, a contender in the eastern conference i have no doubt about that
1: um, now with miami though you, you also have to consider pat riley's not going to no pun intended stay pat he's going to make changes that's right. just who he is like, so that's, we already that's know- my concern
0: actually is that they do what you remember what Phoenix did when they made with Goran Dragic and that, that unprobable oh. run Isaiah Thomas. They just, they're like, Hey, this is our team. We're good. And then you just sort of stacked the roster and made some short-sighted moves that ended up blowing up. And then, and then now they've just been bad as long as they've been.
1: Yes. Um,
0: and only now uh, seem to be coming out of it. We saw this happen with Portland, you know, like they thought that they went to the Western conference finals last year. Hey, this is good. We're a conference, you know. We're, we're a title-contending team now. No, you weren't. You know that was sort of an anomaly year for you. I do have. I'm concerned that Miami looks at this saying, "Hey, we we were this close. You know, we were two games away from being champions, right? And while all these injuries happen and everything like that. Like, let's just add. Let's go out and just like trade Duncan Robinson and assets and whatever it is for Victor Oladipo or something. That would be incredibly short-sighted. Or let's let's move all the pieces and go all in for Bradley Beal right now, if and when he becomes available or whatever. Let's move all the pieces and just grab Joel Embiid if he demands a trade. Like something short-sighted where I, I think the answer here is to play the long game. I think it's pretty clear that Tyler Hero will be the starting point guard next year, and Goran Dragic can continue coming off the bench if, he, if they resign him. But he's, he's, you know, he's your future there. Bam Adebayo is kind of your, your facilitator on offense anyway. And they're kind of, they're the future. Bam and Tyler Hero are the future. Jimmy Butler 31 years old. And he, and he said after these finals that his job's not finished and that he didn't right. hold his end of the bargain and he wants to win a championship. Now, I don't know that he can win the championship as Miami's best player um, if, if they need to wait on Bam and Tyler Hero to take another step. Now, I don't know how, what, what step Bam needs to take. I think he might be a top 15 player already in the NBA. And Jimmy Butler showed that he's one of the best eight players in the NBA right now. Um, but i do wonder at 31 years old if he can maintain that level of play and then what do you do do you short circuit the natural developmental curve of Bam and Tyler Hero or or do you just stay patient maybe you're not winning a championship in the next 2 years but maybe it's you know 4 years 5 years from now
1: well i think you know this is just my personal opinion here but given what we saw from Eric Spolstra and uh, i mean the fact that he broke down and and both you and i know from covering this team as long as we have that Spolstra is not one for mm-hmm. Showing emotion like that, like even he was just like aggressively wiping tears from his face, kind of reminded me of that scene from Seinfeld, where he says, "What is this salty discharge? you know it 's like he is not one to to start crying about things like this, and i I think it's kind of a culmination of everything that's happened, like the fact that he couldn't get dwayne dwayne Wade to the the playoffs in his last season to add Jimmy Butler to go through the bubble, the hiatus, all the different factors outside of everything that's happened and then to fall short like that really kind of brought it home for him that 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 you know they they weren't able to achieve the goals they set out to achieve. And I think he's much more acutely aware of how important it is to bring a championship to Jimmy during his year there. Like they grew incredibly close in just one year together. Almost like they were like a, a match made in heaven. And and I think now he's aware of how important it is to to maximize that window knowing that it's as short as it is. And so to your earlier point, does that mean then that they're going to you know, blow things up? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think they found that they could have been the best team, that they, if they had stayed healthy, that they would have had enough to knock off the Lakers. And, and I, given that, I think the long-term plan is still to add a big-time free agent in a couple years. But they kind of build around the edges now, and I'm not sure if that means adding a Serge Ibaka to complement Bam, or to come in off the bench, or to bring you know him together with Jay Crowder. Uh, maybe add, an, you know, they needed to add another big man because you saw what happened yes. when Bam went down. It, it was clear that they didn't have any kind of edge rebounding wise, that they couldn't match the Lakers size. And they had to go through this all out effort where they were constantly rotating on defense. And, and, you know, obviously they were gassed by the time game six rolled around. So I think that would have been a huge help is to have another big that could probably add the same skills or at least stretch the floor to some degree and Ibaka makes a lot of sense he's a guy that obviously works hard has championship championship experience with Toronto I think he's long been on Miami's radar and so I think this is a good fit there I don't know other than that I'm not sure what their other players but again, I think think think
0: you need to to bring back Dragic you bring back Jay Crowder I think Um, Iguodala for one more year I suppose is under contract you can and that's that's a salary large enough where you can actually move him and maybe get another piece Uh, but this I think you're right and I think the the trade deadline deal they made to get Jay Crowder and Andre Guadalla was it was probably the the blueprint of the type of deals they need to make between now and 2021 and that you can maintain your flexibility but still be like look we're good enough right now to win a championship and we can maximize this roster complement the group of guys that we have without giving up on that flexibility and by the way in 2021 they're going to have cap space to go after a big name free agent and keep Jimmy Butler and Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo. And even Goran Dragic, depending on what kind of salary he signs, Jay Crowder, depending on what kind of contract he signs, if he re-signs. Um, but I think you're right. Immediately, you probably need to add one more Jay Crowder type guy. You could play the four, add a, a serviceable backup behind Bam Adebayo because you don't want to be able, you don't want to basically be playing Solomon Hill as your backup center next year. Um, and then just, let Bam continue to be one of the best defenders in the league and a top 15 player. Let Tyler hero continue to develop at this rate that he's developing at and let Jimmy Butler continue to do Jimmy Butler things. I think that's fair, but the East is going to be tough. You're going to have, like you said, Kevin Durant and Brooklyn are going to be a factor. We'll see what happens in Philadelphia. They'll probably be a factor. Boston will only get better, right? With Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown continuing to develop uh, in their own right. And then you're going to have, you know, this, this revenge tour from Giannis potentially that they're going to have to deal with. So it's going to be a really interesting conference next year. Um, the bubble has popped. We'll talk about what comes next for the league. This is Locked on NBA. If you haven't already, now is a perfect time to hit that subscribe button to get episodes of Locked on NBA automatically to your feed every day. Uh, David, what's your biggest question about what comes next for the NBA?
1: I mean, that, the NBA comes back at all. and in, in what way it comes back? we've seen now that the NBA has been so more successful than all the other sports combined because of the way they were able to ensure the safety of their players and to make sure that protocols were being followed as closely as they were. Football has struggled. Baseball clearly has struggled. And while those things are kind of moving along at their own individual pace, it not it has not been as seamless as it has been with the NBA. Like the NBA gets criticized for a variety of reasons, mostly stupid ones. But I think overall, you recognize how how well they put together everything to to manage the integrity of this bubble and and honestly they surpass all of my expectations like i had long argued that i didn't think it was realistic for them to do so mostly because i wasn't sure that you could ensure the integrity of that bubble but they had have exceeded that they've blown it away they've shown everybody what it's like to be a successful franchise or a successful league uh, under these incredibly uh, well-kept situations and then as far as what's the future though that's that's the big question for me is is you cannot ensure a regular season within a bubble so are you going to have games being played the way they were in the bubble in front of no fans with just crowd noise being pumped in? I think it would work, but I don't know that owners would want to move forward with that kind of a plan. I think we're starting to see people, you know, attend football games, attend baseball games, well, maybe not baseball, but attend football games and outdoor sporting events to a large degree. And I think the next step would probably be to say maybe you could attend a, a basketball game. but you know, all it takes is one small outbreak or somebody to test positively. And then a few people that might test positively. And next thing you know, you could be held liable for the safety of your fans. And I don't think any owner wants to be put in that kind of situation. So how they manage it, and it's clear that they're going to move forward, because we're already starting to hear about schedules being altered for the draft and for free agency and things of that sort. But they want to move forward with next season. That's pretty clear. They they have to for the safety of the league, for the, the the ability to continue to make the money and pay their players and things of that sort. They have to move forward, but how is a huge question for me.
0: I mean, Adam Silver has said after the finals that the goal is to play next season in local arenas in markets and to and the goal is to have fans in those arenas. Um, but that might not happen right away. I could see a world in which the NBA season starts in markets and you, you're doing, you know, the, the daily testing and all these things as much as you can. But, you know, you just don't have fans in those arenas right now because there are some cities that don't media. even allow more than 50 people or media for that matter. It's a good point. Or maybe it's a very limited media, right, where, you know, instead of 20 media members, you've, there's five or whatever the number they decide on is. Um, and it looks very bubbly in that way. And that might be the first two months of the season. And then you have to start because there's only so long that they can wait, right? Like they can't wait until June of next year to start an NBA season, right? Like they just, they they can't afford to do that. And that's why my biggest question is when does the end, does the NBA calendar shift because of all this? And there's been a lot of talk about that. Um, and a lot of people kind of see it as like a clean, oh, this is a great opportunity for the NBA. Uh, they could start their league on Christmas day. They own that day anyway. Um, and then just shift your calendar and not have to compete so much with you know the NFL and the NHL and all these college sports all these things that never made sense to me David I don't see them like even if they start next year the you know end of January February which seems to be maybe their target date at this point you know if you're reading some of these reports that are out there but I don't think any I don't think they're going to permanently shift to like a Christmas day beginning like that there's just no way that Adam Silver would start the league on Christmas number one you're going from you're you're cannibalizing your own product you're going from having two landmark events in opening night and Christmas day to one like you're just combining two things and making it one thing that's you you've gone from two products to one product that makes no sense as a sales organization, which is basically what the n b a is They sell their product um also you don't want players playing their first games on Christmas on like this national platform There's a reason the n f l doesn't start on Thanksgiving. you want guys to be a little bit in mid season form and playing well and not you know uh not, not playing well. So that, that never made sense to me. Maybe um, it does. I, I, I don't see the NBA reacting like uh, uh, to a, um, you know, random pandemic and by permanently changing their like the NBA calendar. I just, I think that they're going to try their best to get back to where it was that they were with an October start and you, and you play through June. Um, that to me makes the most sense
1: So a shortened schedule, maybe not a full eighty-two games.
0: Maybe one day they go to a shortened schedule, but I think it's going to take a long time to even. What I'm, it's going to take a long time to get back to a normal schedule, which is the only reason why they might not. Because if they don't start the season until February, then that's going to. Then you're playing your your year until what August maybe August uh, September, yeah. Like and then what if you're trying to then start the next season at the end of September and October when we're talking about like media day and training camp and all that stuff? Like that's not enough time. So it might just be like years of sort of nudging this thing back a week or two for a few years until you're back on a regular schedule, or you can just permanently change the schedule. Uh, now, I don't know what that looks like though.
1: I, I mean, I, I admit that I am woefully ignorant because I do not follow other sports uh, as closely. So it's not like my intention is divided by football and or baseball or NHL or anything like that. But do you think that's a legitimate issue? Like are, are there sports fans even listening to this podcast, a niche podcast, and saying, oh, well, I only watch basketball because it happens to be on at a point in time when football isn't on?
0: Um, I don't know. Probably. I, I don't know. Like, I think we tend to do, like, we do the TV ratings game a lot. And we're like, mm-hmm. well, what do these ratings mean? But it's really more like a media thing. But NBA ratings are down, but so is the NFL. So is Major League Baseball. My, I'm not an expert at this stuff, but my guess has always been that that's just because there's so much stuff to watch now. Like you can like everybody thinks like the NBA is competing with the NFL and baseball. And it's in some respect, they are You're competing with competing Hulu
1: with and Netflix.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's competing with all of this stuff. And, and there's just so <laughs> many options now that yeah. I, I don't know that you, and by the way, all, if all the sports ratings are down except for the NFL basically, but the NFL right now is down and it was down, you know, in 2016 and it was a big deal and all this stuff. But if everything's down and we have sports all year round, then it doesn't really sound like anybody has a great part of the calendar to, on their. You know what I mean? It's not like, yeah. And, and it just doesn't make sense to me either to try to shift the NBA season to the summer. Cause if you're going to start, you know, later in the beginning of the year, then you're going into the summer. People don't want to be watching TV at the, in the summer. They want to be outside doing stuff. They're on vacation. You know, they're, they're you know, taking breaks during the summer and all that stuff. Um, so I don't know, basically I have no idea what it looks like. And that's why it's my big question because it doesn't make any sense to me to move calendar but i just don't know how they avoid it either uh at least in the short term and if you're going to do it in the short term then do you really want to be moving it around four or five years from now again i don't know
1: yeah that's i think they (laughs) need
0: to shorten the season i know they want 82 games but it seems like the easiest solution is just like let's just play 50 games like baseball did it they, they went from 162 or however many baseball games are to 60. They just did a sprint. They said, this would be a really weird year, but at least we're going to get it back on schedule. And then we could just, you know, it's going to be one weird year. And it's not like the NBA doesn't have weird years. They have lockout years, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's okay. You just shorten the thing. Maybe instead of eighty-two games, you play thirty. Like I don't play sixty games.
1: Dude, was it ninety-nine? They played a fifty-game season, and then in two thousand eleven, twelve, it was a sixty-six-game season. That was a very compressed one because they started around Christmas Day, if I'm not mistaken, and then they had to play sixty-six games and still follow their regular schedule. Like they wanted to have the finals in June, which seems kind of a, a very. So, but
0: but if you if you try to do that again, which I think would be the idea, and if you're starting in February, then maybe you're only playing forty games, and the regular season's a month and a half, two months. Right, because you saw the playoffs, which are a whole other season. Like they take Has the players'
1: association spoken about this. Like I mean, I know it's something that's still up for discussion, but I Michelle wonder. Michelle
0: Roberts told the Athletic that uh, they are looking at January February. Okay, which is I so I I I think it's pretty clear at this point that we're not getting anything this year, um, and it's going to wait till next year. It's just when when can that happen? And they're, the Players Association are probably going to want to get as many games in anyway, even if it means not playing in front of fans for a little while, because at least those players will get paid for those But games. also
1: trying to ensure that you don't play, like, you know, three games in three nights and things of that sort, or right. three games in four nights. because so they're probably just... going to
0: want to start early as well. But if you're the NBA Players Association, you're like, well, let's play more games and let's get going so that my guys aren't playing back-to-backs. And that they're getting paid, you know, right. their, their salary. But then the owners are going to be like, well, we don't want to pay those salaries because we're not getting any of the gate revenue right so this could be i don't know we'll see they you know the, the nba pa and and the nba have worked really well through all of this i imagine i have no reason to suspect that they wouldn't but that to me seems like a, a potential sticking point another big question absolutely um all right well that would do it for us today remember to listen to and subscribe to locked on nba on apple Podcasts, spotify and google Podcasts. if you have some time rate us view us say nice things about us thanks for listening and please stay safe